to Kelly's Green Lounge Radio. We are a cannabis-friendly establishment. Kelly's Green Lounge Radio, podcast number 10. Wow, I feel like I should be singing you a song or something. 10, 10, we made it to 10, or something like that. I obviously didn't plan this before I started talking. Okay, but we're podcast number 10. It's amazing. I am not sure how we got this many. I have to admit, when I first started out doing these podcasts, I wasn't sure where I was going with them. Um, I just kept thinking that if I could just talk to a bunch of people in the cannabis space and then help them be able to get recorded and then find a way to get the recording to other people, then they could just hear other people's stories or uh, the education or the, I guess, just even the interviews, just to meet them and just know what they have. Everybody's got a story. And everybody that I meet in the cannabis industry has a story that's related related to cannabis and I just want to be able to bring you those stories and that information in the best way possible so we're at number 10 we are uh, I've interviewed two people that have affiliation with medicine wheel natural healing for this podcast it's uh, it's an important one because there is a dispensary called medicine wheel natural healing on a First Nation or Indigenous reservation called Alderville in a town called Roseneath. And it's a place that we call the Green Mile. It's a favorite place of mine. It's uh, from our location in Orono. It's about a 40 minute drive east. But it is the nicest drive when you go the back way on, I think it's Concession 9 or Highway 9. And it links from the 115 right out to Highway 45, which is where the Green Mile is. And it's gorgeous. Like, it's rolling hills. And right now, as we're turning to the fall colors and the leaves are changing, it's just spectacular to be able to go up and down these hills and see the beauty of it. And it's just remarkable. So it's like a treat all on its own that way. I've taken people out there before. They've smoked joints, sat in the car on the drive, and just drooled at the atmosphere around because it's just incredible. Now, once you get out there, there's literally a mile long of dispensaries. I've taken people dispensary hopping from one place to another. The place that's leading the way for all of the other dispensaries out there is absolutely without hands down, or with hands down, is that the right way to say it? It's the best place, and it's called Medicine Wheel Natural Healing, and they were one of the first to open, if not the first to open, and they're the ones that the other guys that are on the Green Mile come to for help on how to build their business, what the right way is to do this, because they are not, according to the government of Ontario, a legal, I'm doing that quotation with my fingers, you can't see, legal dispensary as far as the ones that the Ontario or federal government, uh, for that matter, are controlling. They are their own. They are governed by their own uh, laws and their own rules when it comes to Alderville First Nations Reserve. And um, they don't have to follow the in the lottery or the any of the rules that uh, the regulations that are put forth by the government for the lottery winners that have won uh, the right to have a legal dispensary. So when Rob Stevenson, who was the owner, opened up two years ago, he opened up 
when everybody else was illegal. And what he's done, he's built so much. Uh, their, their, their staff is well-trained. I believe they went from a staff of seven to 40-something. I don't have the exact numbers because I'm not the one that works there. I've interviewed two people in connection with it, and one is the general manager. That's the second interview. His name is Brent. He'll give you the statistics on how, many, how they've come from like very few employees to very many employees, all who have been trained in first aid CPR, first responder training, and all who have a background in cannabis training so that they're able to efficiently uh, help the people that are coming there uh, for much needed help for the therapeutic benefits of cannabis. The first interview that I did is with Miriam Terry. She created the in most incredible resources to be used and to be found uh, at the Medicine Wheel. I found them there. Um, even before I had met Miriam or even heard her name, I was just looking around the shelves and I saw something so unique to any other dispensary. I've been in dozens of dispensaries, but to any other dispensary that I've ever been to, these resources. And the resources are how to talk to your children about cannabis. It's definitely a gap. It's, um, it's a, an area that is not talked about a lot. There certainly are a lot of moms out there that are really um, helping promote for, uh, I think they call themselves canna-moms, um, moms that toke, um, sort of getting rid of the stigma associated with moms or parents overall uh, smoking cannabis, um, sort of the way that... Um, the way that they say it is, if it's okay to drink a glass of wine, it's okay to smoke a joint. Absolutely. Whatever you need is absolutely okay for anybody, um, as long as they're doing it in the safest way. And we'll say all of those, this disclosure, is that the way to put it? But um, there's a real gap in uh, how to talk to your kids about this. It is legal. It is legal now. It became legal on October 17th of 2018, like we're talking almost a year ago. And so people are saying, what am I doing? How, how do I do this? I, I have my plants I'm harvesting right now. Um, I'm not sure how to speak to my children about it. Uh, I've done talks about it, um, a big talk at the Muskoka Expo, but I've done little talks about it in just even in people's homes to help them be able to get past that point my uh, I have been a child care supervisor for 10 years and worked as a teacher in two different school boards so I have a background of children well, with children and I love children I actually prefer children over grown-ups but don't tell that to the grown-ups in my life I have my own child he's 11 and uh, he, we didn't have to speak to him about cannabis up until recently when he saw the big pot leaves, uh, <laughs> fan leaves that were starting to spread up on the back property and just came and said, is that cannabis? So it's that that point in time where I had to sort of reach inside myself, the RECE plus the mom plus the cannabis advocate all coming together for the right solution. And I went back to these books, which I had purchased at Medicine Wheel Natural Healing because I wanted to be able to find a tangible way to speak to him and the other children in my life. And there are many children after working so long with children, you kind of stick to some of them and some of them stick to you. And I certainly wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but I had to find a way to be able to give them uh, to identify so that they could have something to identify with. So Miriam has written these three books for children, and she's actually got a new one out to help seniors with their stigma. And um, they're called the Little Robbie Ladybug and the Green Mesh Kiki 
patch. Uh, Mashkiki is medicine in Ojibwe. And then they have what's a special cookie? And that's uh, and then how should I know? The little ladybug one is for the little ones, kind of the five to nine year olds. The what's the special cookie is the sort of preteen. And then how should I know is for the teenagers. Then she's got one out called Twas the Night Before Cannabis. Uh, and it's for seniors just because they're, we know we know there's some seniors out there that still, still have that prohibition stigma. Anyway, so when I was able to speak to my son about this and identified it as medicine and I talked to him about uh, that we are growing this to help other people and it's legal now. And he really got it. And I think that he got it because he really, first of all really loves learning about first nations people in the indigenous community uh, they learn about it in school right now which is wonderful and so he can sort of identify to that he can see that he has seen movies like um dancing with wolves or uh, other uh, movies with native people in it and he has seen that there's been peace pipes so i was able to say that's what they're doing see it's medicine it uh, opens hearts and minds and it heals people and it's therapeutic in so many ways so now he's got this mind frame like, oh, that's medicine. I don't want anything to do with it because what kid wants to take medicine, right? So I think that that's the approach, the uh, the right approach for me. And uh, there's right approaches for so many other people. You really have to look into what is best for you and the children that are in your life and um, their uh, how their maturity is developing. Um, are they going to be able to understand it? Are they going to be able to handle this kind of thing? What are they seeing? What are their questions about? If there's any way that I can help answer you any, any questions or help facilitate this way through your children, please reach out to me. It would be an absolute honor. In the meantime, I have uh, interviewed Miriam Terry, who wrote and illustrated these books. They're incredible. They're beautiful resources. You can find them at Medicine Wheel Natural Healing, or you can find them at Kelly's Green Lounge. Here is my interview with Miriam. We're here with Miriam Terry, and she created some literature to help us learn how to speak to our children about cannabis. Hi, Miriam. Hi. You have an affiliation with Medicine Wheel Natural Healing, which is in Alderville, Roseneath area yes. um, of Ontario. And uh, what's your connection to the Medicine Wheel? Um, my son-in-law is the owner and operator of the Medicine Wheel, Rob Stevenson. Rob Stevenson. My daughter, Katie, is... And she works there as well. She's works working with her there husband. now, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, you you felt that there was a need for children's books? Yeah. Um, I, when Rob got into this business, we were, of course, sort of um, unsure about all of it because it was so new. Sure. Uh, and it, as it developed, we began to recognize that there was still a stigma, but there needed to be more general knowledge about what it was that was involved with cannabis use, whether it's recreational or it's medicinal. Um, his focus has been on the medicinal aspect. And uh, he or his family actually requested that I begin to write a children's book on it. But having come from an early childhood education background, I recognized that one book is not going to fit all. So I ended up doing four. 
uh, for different age levels. Yeah. So your background is ECE. Yes. And childhood education. You uh, knew how to write a children's book, or you know how you knew how it would be received by children. Yeah. Yeah. I knew the um, what the requirements were, what things make it interesting for children, and and relatable. Right. So that's how the the three different levels came about. And the books speak. Uh, of the First Nations and how yes. they feel about mm-hmm. cannabis. And what did they call it? The Green Mashkiki. Green Mashkiki. Mashkiki is medicine. So it's always been um, something that is First Nations acceptable. So it's always been like children don't have that sort of stigma in the First Nations the way that the children that are not First Nations do because it's more accepted there. Would you say that that was correct? That's, uh, I'm not entirely sure about that, to be honest, Um, because I am not from uh, an Indigenous background, Um, so I've been doing a lot of learning about this as well, but we felt that it was important if, because there is stigma, even up there, even still on the reserve, there is a stigma. Um, Some people buy into it, and they're they're, um, excited about how beneficial it can be and others still have that that hangover sort of from early years where you know this is a a dangerous thing during prohibition yes right so it would be the same as off the reserve then it Mm -hmm. would be like like to the general public let's say so it's still stigma there Uh, yes absolutely i would have thought though that because they have their peace pipe and their ceremonies, perhaps mm-hmm. it's a little bit more accepted than outside that, of the community. Sure, absolutely, sure. And so when you wrote the books, did you write them just for the Indigenous community or was it for everybody? It, it was intended originally to be supportive of the Alderville First Nations because that's where Rob is from, that's where my grandchildren are growing up. Yep. Um, so it was intended originally for that. But at the same time... I really felt that it was necessary to to have something that is is universally applicable, right. you know, to all uh, societies. Now, the books that I've written have some Ojibwe terminology yes. in them, but at the same time, there's also a glossary in the back, so that if you do want to apply those books or use them with your own children or your grandchildren or in a classroom, then you can do that, um, and you've got the terminology explained and also a pronunciation guide in the back. Oh, that's wonderful. Can we go through the books and talk about them each individually now? Sure. So let's start with your little one here. Okay. The first, I'm not sure how much you want me to go through it. What will just... um The first the, one, yeah. okay, is called Little Robbie Ladybug and the Green Mashkiki Patch. And the, the reason um, the ladybug became the the central figure here is because ladybugs are used in production okay instead of using chemicals or whatever so they are a natural um eater of aphids yeah and yeah, they're the defense of the plant if there you, you don't go have yeah pesticides yeah. yeah so that's why uh i went with this and in fact it was rob's mother who came up with that idea i believe the the ladybug aspect and that was great because it just kind of you sure. know, gave me a focus. And, and again, this book is intended for children who are about five to seven years old because it's a little bit longer but than, than say, you know, a book that a three-year-old or a four-year-old would want. This is a little bit longer because 
younger children than this really aren't going to have a concept of what it's all about anyway. Right. However, the five to seven-year-olds can be in a position, and I know that one of my grandchildren has has asked about, you know, the medicine. Yeah. Um, that that his his mom and dad use. Yeah. You know, so he wants to know about the medicine and he's six of course and in here you actually reference um a ladybug or a child a small insect that has epilepsy yes so that also gives the children sort of like oh maybe that child in my class has epilepsy mm -hmm. and this is what they use the mm -hmm. i'm going to say it wrong meshkiki did no, i say that's that right? right maybe they use the meshkiki for that right. um and then i really really like how it goes on in the story to little robbie asks well can i have some of those cookies the special cookies the special cookies yeah. and then his parent says uh, they're not for you. No. And let's no. let's develop a way to, I think because he's afraid of the dark, right? The night spirits. Is that what oh, it is? Oh, yes. Well, that was one thing. Yes. And so he says, I because um, his aunt or somebody had used yes. the cookies to, um, because they were social anxiety or something. That's right. Yep. I'm, I'm looking at it from the adult perspective, but the little guys will hear the way that you wrote it for their level. Like, oh, this aunt felt this way, so she used the cookies. But then I really like how little Robbie says, can I have some of those cookies? Yeah. And we're saying, no, no, you can't because they're not for you. They're medicinal yeah. purposes. They're special. And the ones. way that you break that down in this book, Miriam, is incredible oh thank you because a child would get that yeah. and that's what they need yeah. they need it to be from their perspective mm -hmm. where did the drawings come from they're gorgeous they're mine did you draw those <laughs> yes the ladybugs and this yes. is um is that a crooked a or katie a, a did. grasshopper a katie that's did my gorgeous. daughter's name is katie oh yes so, of course so she's katie katie did and little robbie is rob oh of course <laughs> Of course. There, this is, was this the first one you wrote then? Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. So the, yeah. this one for the ages five to seven. And then as we turn towards the back, uh, we see that there's a glossary that will mm -hmm. help with some of the um, words that we as adults may not know, but as children would not know either. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So what was the second book that you The second did? book was uh, intended for, you know, the older kind of nine to 12. And it's called What's a Special Cookie? And you know, the interesting thing about this book is that right after I wrote it, there was an incident in a school in Oshawa where the very same thing happened as happens here. And that is that a group of boys um, decided that they wanted to try mom's special cookies, not knowing what a special cookie is. Right. And uh, they, they, in this book, one of them has a reaction after he eats it inadvertently. Yep. And uh, and that actually happened in a school, in an elementary school in Oshawa. Not too far from here, like yep. within our own That's community. Right. That's right. And so, so what age group would this one be for? This one is more uh, 8 to 12 okay. in that general. So that's sort of preteen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. My son is 11. Uh. So I really take this one like when he's looking, when I'm looking to explain this to him, which I've had to recently, uh. um, this is why, this is why. And always sure. going back to the First Nations people and they're using it as medicine. And that's mm -hmm. how we can attribute it mm -hmm. to it. So yes, this, um, unfortunately, it does happen mm -hmm. and it is is in the news more often that children are uh, 
getting access to parents' special medicine. Sure. And um, it's a good reminder for us to remember, keep it locked. Storage. Keep it yeah, stored away in a place right. where children can't access yeah. it. So parents ding, ding, ding for this book, but also children will, okay, yeah. maybe it will make you not feel very good and it may not make you feel, it may not be the right thing for you. No. So let's stay away from it. Yeah. So that's great with that book. And you drew this again? Yes. Yeah? I drew, I drew all drew of them. them all. And one of the other things that I think is important to note is that all of these books are intended to be shared with an adult. You know, so whether it's a teacher or, or a parent or a grandparent or any trusted adult. Yeah. Because it's serious information sure. and you want to ensure that they get right. The, the right information out of it. And so I tried to incorporate some teaching notes yep. into each one of the books based on the level that uh, the book is intended, you know, the audience it's intended for. Right. Very good. Um, we'll move to, would this have been your third one? Yes. And it's... um. It's really hitting home with teenagers. Yes. Like it would be 13 and up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And again, I have another grandson who's 14. Okay. And I spoke with him a little bit before I went into this one. Um, this one is really intended as, as a very definite teaching tool. Yep. Because what I included in here, the title of the book is How Should I Know? And the reason for that is because I think um, even when we were kids, sometimes we have a tendency or parents have a tendency to say, you should know better. Yep. And in this case, when it comes to cannabis and how to use it and what it's all about and everything, the, the main, one of the main characters in here says, when scolded and, and her brother says, you should know better, she says, how should I know? That's right. You know, how should I know if nobody talks to me about this, if no one will answer questions, you know, because it's all hush-hush and, oh, don't go there. Yep. Um, how should I know yep. what it's all about? I've never thought of that before. And when I read this, I thought, my goodness, light bulb right off in my brain. How should they know? That's right. Why should we expect teenagers to be so independent and they don't, they know about the cannabis and they know about the alcohol even, or even sexuality? That's right. How should they know? Yeah. If we don't teach them in That's the right. best, most responsible way, and your book does that, absolutely. Thank so you. we've got a group of teens that uh, have a cannabis, I think they say it's a cannabis cigarette in it here. Was a, yeah, yeah. found a joint. Find, and, found a joint. Um, uh, one of them took it from her brother, who was older, uh, and they got into it at school at lunchtime outside. Yep. Um, and uh, one of them fell ended up falling into a creek and cutting her head open and anyway long story short it ends up being um, something that the teachers and the principal becomes aware of as well that you know the the message again is how should I know yep. and the teacher or the principal in this case jumps on it and said you're right you know we've done you a disservice yep. because we haven't yep taught you about it it's all very hush hush and just don't use it stay away right well why I love that they didn't get in trouble yeah you did not have the group that if it was a normal school or if it was in real life they probably would have been in big trouble trouble. for that but the, (laughs) the point of the book is is that why are we getting these kids in trouble when they don't know any better they haven't been taught Let's teach them yeah. so that they know what yes. this will do. And we know that teenagers are going to try this. Sure. They see it. We've it's been more there. Well, Exactly, right? I, I mean, yeah. teenager, I was a cannabis user when I was a teenager. 
And obviously we didn't know the therapeutic benefits back no. then. And so we were using it recreationally. And most teens today are trying that the same way that they're trying cigarettes, the same sure. way they're trying alcohol. Yeah. And so if we teach them, this is the right way to use it, this mm -hmm. is how you will feel, right. then that gives them that. And your book teaches them that. Yeah. And, and in the back of it, it's got sort of um, uh, a bit of a guideline to how you can share this information whether it's teachers or parents or whatever. It's very kind of basic, but it does show the history, a little bit of the history of cannabis, and that a lot of indigenous groups around the world, not just here, the First Nations sure. groups, but around the world. It's in it, it, Chinese archaeology yeah. and, and Indian, and, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It has been around forever. And I think that, unfortunately, you know, the pharmaceutical companies kind of came in and said, hey, you know, uh, that's bad. Yeah. You know, come and use what we've got instead. Yeah. How very unfortunate. It really is. It really is. 88 years prohibition in this country yeah. with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Those pharmaceutical companies yeah. saying use this when yeah. this natural, beautiful, magical plant heals yes. even better in yes. some cases, right? And it, it's just been, I, I have to say, I've learned so much about this. I mean, when I was a kid, sure, I, you know, I had a Dabbled few. Dabbled or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I also have asthma. So, you know, smoking was not a good thing for me. But... Um, you know, we, we've all been there. We've all kind of tried it. And it, it did have a stigma yep. back then that this is very illegal. And no, you can't do this. But, you know, hey, come and right. try it. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's great to see now that it's not your, your grandparents' marijuana. Right, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a very therapeutic, just stunning yeah. to learn how beneficial it can be and still stuff being learned every day mm -hmm. and new developments yes. and new yes. research being yeah. done but when i was a kid we were told this is a drug oh yeah this is bad for you and a gateway right and drug. a gateway and like a, what was that dare dare drugs like you were sent to uh -huh. places to be told that that is bad weed yeah. is bad cannabis yeah. is bad sure. you know and now your books will tell us it's not it yeah. is not bad for you. Yeah. Let's talk to an adult if yeah. that's something that yeah. you need. Let's ask questions about it, but don't be frightened of it anymore. No, right? no, and and be sensible about it. Right. Be responsible. Yep. If you're going to try it, then do it the right way. Right. You know. And how many children that have epilepsy or have an ailment that uh, cannabis helps them with, and if they had been frightened by people that would um, create that stigma, and they would not want to try it. No, mom, well, I don't it. want that. That's yeah. horrible. That will hurt me. Yeah. But now they're able to see, okay, maybe it's not. It's medicine for yeah. us. And that's wonderful in that we're able to talk about that and we're able to not scare the children anymore. Sure. And your yeah. books are helping with that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Surprised me today when I walked in the door, you have another book that I had <laughs> never seen before. And I'm so excited about that. What's this one called? This one was just fun. And it was aimed at, uh, because I'm a senior, and I have uh, a lot of friends who have discovered cannabis um, and are just, and I, I know, make up a huge chunk of Rob's population yeah. up there, the, the clientele. Um, and uh, But there are others, and, and my husband has found this as well, that uh, they they kind of... Ha still have this block yeah. that says no yeah. you know this stuff is evil stay right. away from it yeah.
But this one, this book is called "Twas the Night Before Cannabis," and I wrote it just before Christmas. Um, and uh, can I just read the dedication Please. in the front? This book is dedicated to all my baby boomer family, friends, and acquaintances who are interested in what cannabis can do, but are hesitant to jump into something they equate with the hippies of their youth. Um, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. It's based on the uh, Clement Moore, um, Twas the Night Before Christmas. And um, yeah, it's, it's about seniors who are in pain and suffering and then Santa brings a special elf with special goodies. <laughs> special goodies. I love for them it because I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> I'm so excited to read it. It was lots of fun. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed writing that one. This was your most fun one. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, how has it been received? Then, have you given copies to your very friends well? And- actually, um, last year when I I'm on a bowling team and I do various other things, uh, painting classes and things and. Um, a lot of those women bought more than one copy Wonderful. to give out to their friends uh, for as well. Christmas. Yeah, ah, isn't yeah. that perfect? Yeah, it was. It was lots of fun. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, do you see yourself writing any more of these books? Is that? Is, do you think there's? I. I mean, I think you've covered all of the areas here. You've got the seniors and the stigma, and all of the different age groups with children. Uh, what's next for you? Any any more other ideas for these books or anything? No, okay. no, no, no. There's been nothing else. How about we get <laughs> you to record them, maybe, to speak to sure. other people and maybe other family members that couldn't access the books. Maybe they can sure. hear an audio version of you doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That would be so neat. <laughs> so people can find these books. They're for sale. Yes, they and, are. Like, they're... I think I paid five dollars a book. They are five dollars a piece. Like so, very little. Probably just covering off your printing costs. Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. I like it's not like they're like a resource to get rich from, and, oh, and I no. say that in the best way because I know that you created these books to help. Yes. And I know that this was something that, and it, and it is an absolute must needed piece because there was no. I mean, I researched and I tried to find books like this to help yeah. speak to children because of my background as mm-hmm. a teacher and I couldn't find anything so these are incredible resources oh, good they're available at Medicine Wheel at the Medicine Wheel Natural Healing in Alderville wonderful yes. and uh, can we find them online at all right now or they would just be able to go on to Medicine Wheel yes. which is in Alderville <laughs> um, and they and we have a lot of listeners far away all around the world so that's why I'm hoping that we can do a recording for the ones in Iceland and Uruguay and Germany, the ones wow. that listen to sure. the podcast and that can't <laughs> get to Alderville. Exciting. It's yeah. so wonderful. Um, and then if anybody is listening and they can't um, get the recording or they can't get to Alderville, perhaps then we can, through Callie's Green Lounge, find a way to get them some sure. resources. Yep, that would sure. be really wonderful. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today, Miriam. No it's problem. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> Here's one of those really cool, don't judge a book by its cover kind of stories. To look at Brent Morrison, you do not expect him to speak or say the things that he says. Not that he looks like a freak or anything like that. He just looks like, just a little bit like maybe like a rough guy. Maybe like somebody that wouldn't have the vocabulary and the education and the background that he does. He 
absolutely blew me away. He used words in this interview that I've never even heard before. And he made sense of cannabis. He made sense of what he is doing at his establishment, his work with the medicine wheel. He's got an incredible background. He comes from a science background and a medicine background. And what he's doing is he's working in the cannabis industry because he knows that cannabis heals. It's an incredible story. It was such an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to Brent. And this is our interview. We're here today with Brent to talk about his work with Medicine Wheel Natural Healing, which is in Alderville, uh, First Nations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, let's talk about your background with Medicine Wheel. How long have you been working with them? Uh, since since we so we opened June 21st of 2017. Um, I was working with Rob Stevenson, the owner, on uh, Smoke Single Seed Bank prior to that. And then the idea to potentially open a dispensary came up. So... I've been kind of involved from from day one. Yeah. What's your role with it? So I'm the director of operations. So I oversee all the things that Medicine Wheel does, as well as our laboratory facilities, Medicaid Solutions, uh, Smoke Signal Seed Banks, and most of the things we do. Okay. So Rob had that um, prior to the Medicine Wheel. He had a seed bank. Was that also in Alderville? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so it sort of segued onto that. And he was doing this. He opened this before it was legal to open dispensaries. That's correct. Yeah. And so what was his idea for, if you can speak to it, mm -hmm. his philosophy or his need to open up here? And what was he looking to obtain? Yeah, there's sort of two roles to it. So he um, he recognized that cannabis is a valuable medicine. So people in his family himself use cannabis. Uh, he used to treat anxiety. Um, he has some um, family members not used for pain management. And one of the issues was people trying to get safe, reliable sources. Um, so back then, you know, there um, either you had to get a prescription, which can cost quite a bit of money. Um, you have to go through a, uh, through a doctor to get that and they charge money for it, which you don't for other prescriptions, which I find a little bit problematic. Um, and then other people were just getting it from like, you know, their nephew's friends or something like sure. that. So it wasn't really an ideal source. So we recognized that there is a need to have a quality controlled cannabis medicine source. Um, he also recognized that this would be a great economic opportunity for, for the reserve out here in Alderville. Um, and right now, like we've gone from six employees to 48 employees. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's grown quite a bit. Um, you know, we've, we, uh, we, we employ people, their families and, and, and all that. So it's, it's, it's been really good that way. So it's kind of a twofold approach. As we look at it. And, uh, you employ a lot of indigenous people, yeah, people that are actually from this community. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what are some other ways that the medicine wheel gives back to the indigenous community, which, obviously sets you apart from every other place. It's been our, one of our goals from the very beginning. So this, it's sort of like social entrepreneurship is what it's called. It's it's running a business, but with a, a social mindset that you're not just there to, to collect money for yourself. It's okay, you bring in money with an organization or a business, and then what do you do with that? Like that that's what's really important. That's what uh, gives you that that sense of reward and satisfaction as well. So we, we do donations for the, for the local church, for the women's shelter, um, for kids hockey to buy equipment. Uh, we pay for some of their hotels for... For, uh, events. Um, we've done a coat drive um, with the community here. So working with someone else, we have uh, a bunch of ski coats and things like that that we've donated. Um, and just any community event, we do a lot of sponsorship and things for um, either one-off events, if somebody's going to a sporting event or doing something they need some financial support, um, or ongoing things to support teams and, and things locally. So we try to be as integrated into the community as we can. You really are. I love how everybody here at the Medicine Wheel has their CPR first aid certificate. Yeah, yeah. And it's a requirement that you have those. Now, what sets you apart? Another, there's so many things, but I really like how you have books that are for facilitating the need to speak to your children mm -hmm. about cannabis. 
You have little identification cards that if one of your customers forgets what they got a couple of months ago, they can look, you can look that back yeah. up. Yeah. That's different than any other place that I've been to that's a dispensary. What made you want to do that? Well, we wanted to, to be a medicinally oriented dispensary. So there's the, the medical cannabis program through Canada, as I mentioned, it requires a doctor, prescription, money, and all that. And we know that a lot of people in First Nations communities don't have access to a doctor. Um, the, the financial barriers to spending a couple hundred dollars to, to go through a private service to get a prescription uh, can be can be too much of a barrier. So we opened it up that we're not going to require those things, but our, we're looking at it from a medicinal standpoint. Uh, so we go through a consultation process with each new member that comes in. Um, we talk about their medical history, what they're going to use cannabis for, and then try to make recommendations based on that. Um, and that's sort of informed everything that we do is, is looking at it through that lens. And they're required to fill out a form, not because you need their information or you're trying to upload for your database, mm -hmm. but because it helps them. Yeah. So they are required to fill out a form to see what they need, and then they get a book. Can you tell me about that book that you had made up? Yeah, so it's an ailments and treatments guide. It's on its second version. We're actually working on a third version now. So we started to, we've, we've done a fair bit of research on, on things that cannabis is used for, and then we've tried to condense that down into a user-friendly book where we've identified about 20-some-odd different ailments that, that cannabis has been has been demonstrably effective at, at helping treat the symptoms of, um, and then giving people recommendations. So what kind of cannabis product are you looking for? For this, is it more CBD? Is it a little bit of THC? Is it best served topically, like through arthritis in the hands, you're gonna want a topical cream? Or is it something that you need to take internally or through inhalation, whatever the, the modality of intake is? Excellent. And so that we'll move to that now. You have a lot of variety of dried flour, but you have also have other products that you sell. What other products can we see there? You mentioned topicals. But mm -hmm. Yeah, what else? so we have a, a full topical range, and that's expanded from just a handful of different creams to all kinds of stuff, even for like uh, moisturizing creams that use THCA. So it's non-psychoactive, but it's very good for your skin. Um, we have, of course, the dried flour that's very popular. Concentrates, so things like uh, different oils um, and other concentrated things like shatters and that, that... This is a very effective way to get, um, they're quite potent, um, but they're um, a good way to, to get a high dose of THC quickly. Um, uh, and and th they're cleaner than burning like the flour itself. A lot of people, you know, that's still our uh, biggest seller, I guess you'd say, would be the dried flour, but you're still combusting plant matter. It's not ideal to do that. So vaporizing a concentrate is, is preferable that way. Um, our tinctures, our Mako Botanicals is a company that we helped found with a group in Tanadaga, so sort of a joint venture between Mohawk and Ojibwe people. Um, and it's a line of tinctures and creams. The tinctures are taken sublingually under your tongue. Uh, and the idea behind that, uh, the motto of, of Makwa is you don't have to be high to heal, and you can microdose. So you can take enough to get pain relief, but still be clear-headed, go about your day and all that. And that's that's the direction we're trying to go, is get people to not look at cannabis as like something that just gets you high. Right. It's something that can help you manage pain, manage anxiety, and that and still be clear-headed and functional wonderful and i i love this company i love that so what are they called mukwa botanicals i, I wish i could say that but yeah, i don't i yeah. don't want to say so it. mukwa yes. uh, m-u-k-w-a uh is the ojibwe word for bear um oh. rob is of the bear clan and traditionally the people of the bear clan are the medicine people um okay. this was something rob didn't realize this about himself wonderful. until it started to evolve and it was like this all just fell in. It's place. in his genes to it heal. Is, yeah, oh, yeah, lovely. Yeah, so it's kind of amazing. So, uh, and so they're um, from the Tyendinaga. So the, yeah, we're working with Tyendinaga, which is out near uh, Shannonville area, right? Yeah, uh, large Mohawk reserve out there, and then here in Alderville, the Ojibwe. 
Wonderful. Mm. So that sort of partners them together yeah. that way. Isn't that lovely that it can just work like that? Mm. And it's not like that you're, oh, you're our competition. We exactly. can't, it's, that's everybody's coming together in the name of the indigenous community. And that's how wonderful. That's a, that's a big focus. We're, we're well, even in new dispensaries that open up out yeah. here, we've trained about half of them, trained their staff. We help them out with things. We don't look at that as competition. It's, it's, it's good for the community. Certainly. You know, we want to help them elevate to the, the level of standard that we think is appropriate for the community so that they're using child-proof packaging, they're testing their materials, making sure there's no mold or contaminants in there. We want to help them get to that point. And if they're successful, that's great. I mean, wow. it's still people from the community doing well. That is such a yeah. nice, I love that philosophy. The Green Mile really is an amazing <laughs> thing to say. Well, that's it. You can go dispensary hopping. You totally can. And yeah. you have led the way. You as in the medicine wheel has mm -hmm. led the way for mm -hmm. other dispensaries to be able to do that. And it's so nice that you're working with them and not against them. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And they can take they, they can take the lead from you and they can understand that we do need uh, childproof packaging mm -hmm. and training for staff. And yes, it doesn't matter if they have a sale that doesn't match yours of or course, whatever. As long as everybody's working together and they're able to obtain their cannabis in the best way. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. I really yeah. like that, too. So can we talk about the books for a minute? Because I've interviewed Miriam mm -hmm. and she has uh, she's Rob Stevenson, the owner's. Uh, mother-in-law so That's she's right. yep. katie's mom yep and um the book that found uh, i found was the one about the ladybugs that actually yes. have rob and katie inside <laughs> yeah, as part of it little robbie ladybug yeah so that was the need to help be able to speak to children mm -hmm. and she wrote that as an ece to be able to help with children because there is that that is missing it is there is nowhere else that can be found these books i'm not kidding because i've been looking mm -hmm. so they can so people can come to your dispensary mm -hmm. and they can find books on how to help the parents learn how to talk to their children. But you've also got one on um, erasing the stigma for seniors. Yes, yeah. And that's um, I think will be a popular book because that's got a Christmas story to for it. For sure, it, that's that's one of that's probably our fastest growing demographic is seniors. I do a lot of talks for seniors for retirees. Wonderful. Um, and just because you know some are very interested, some of them have have experienced cannabis. You know before yep. uh, but th they've had a long lifetime of all of the negative propaganda right. against cannabis that it's gonna it's addictive it's gonna ruin your life and right. all. that's simply not true so now we're starting to see with the shift in legalization i think that's helped open some minds yeah and we see more people coming in uh so yeah she wrote um a, a christmas story that's that's um it's it's quite good yeah, yeah. just uh dealing it's you know, cute. talking to them yeah it's it really is. cute yeah. Um, so would you say that those would be your target um, audience? What, what would you say would be your, I guess, is um, the number one clientele that you service? Would that be the older population? or That's kind of what we aim for. So when we first opened on day one, um, honestly, I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Part of me was like, are we just going to like have a bunch of kids come in trying yeah. to buy weed? You know, a bunch of like 20-year-olds trying to trying to score some, sure. some weed. Uh, and that wasn't the case at all. The average age was probably 55 that day. Wow. We had a lot of professionals coming in. We had... Um, yeah, parents and grandparents and that. And ever since then, it's just grown that way. So when we look at the focus of our business, we don't exclude anybody. Um, well, as long as you're over 19, of course. Yep. Um, but we gear things towards an older crowd. Sure. Um, you know, when, you know we, when we talk to our staff, like, about the level of professionalism, their delivery, the kind of music that's played in the store. I mean, it can be a little bit more hip-hop or whatever is going on. But we, we try to keep in mind, like, think of if, you're, if you're, your aunt or your grandmother or someone's yeah. coming in. Would they be comfortable here? And that's that's kind of the focus we have because we realize if my grandma's going to be comfortable here, then you know my cousins will be comfortable here right. too. Whereas yeah. 
if you gear towards the cousins, the grandmother might not be. Right. Yeah. And every time that I have come in and I've watched your staff with other people, they make eye contact immediately. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone walks in, they're greeted mm -hmm. and they're spoken to not in a way that's come, you know, that they're putting them down or they're anything like that. They're just kind. Yeah. And all of your staff seem like that. They're just... and. You know, people can come in there can be timid, totally. especially yeah. the older population. Yeah. And I don't see anybody there that feels that way after they've walked in the door. Yeah. And yeah. that's really nice to see. You have discounts for seniors. Mm -hmm. You have discounts for uh, emergency professionals. Yes, first responders well. and veterans. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that a little bit. So uh, every Wednesday is Seniors Day. And actually, Seniors Day came about. I had these three older ladies. They would have been, I would say, mid-80s. Oh. I call them the Golden Girls. Oh. And they were all... All done up. They had their makeup of done. Of course they were. Yeah. Um, and they were asking me questions, you know, for their arthritis, for restless leg syndrome, and some recommendations. And one of them kind of wandered off and came back and whispered to her friends, I got some gummies. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> hold on. You ladies aren't just here to try to treat yourself. You're going you're gonna to have an enjoyable afternoon. Um, and one of them recommended. They came in, you know, yeah. again and said, you guys should do a senior's discount. So it was actually their idea for us Aww. to come up with a, a Wednesday Seniors Day. So everybody 55 and older on Wednesdays gets 10% off the purchase. Wonderful. Then I we, love that. Yeah. And then we extended that to Thursdays is for veterans and first responders. Okay. Um, you know, they're the people on the front lines of really course. helping people. So we wanted to give back a little bit there. Um, and something, you know, that we, uh, I won't name any names, but we find it interesting. Um, police officers and stuff coming in. And right. it's, it's great to see. So yes. we have a we have a very good relationship with the local OPP. Um, we, before we opened, we, we presented to them, Robin down and talked to them. We invited them out to see what we're doing and explain it all. Um, and, and and they understand that we have the right mindset. We have the right heart in it, even prior to legalization. Yeah. Um, because this is sovereign Indigenous territory. Sure. So, you know, we were able to open a little bit earlier than the rest of Canada. But the message was, and, and, and from us as well, was like, we have to do this right. Yeah. Like, we're not just here to, like, make some money. Um, we're here to help people. And with that in mind, you know, uh, anytime we've had, if we've had an issue, maybe a a threat that someone is going to try to rob us. Sure. We talk to the police. They're they're here to support us. So it's, it's great to have that relationship. It's so nice. So you spoke with them and then you invited them out to see what you were doing mm. just so they were aware there's no secrets here. Yeah. We're not hiding anything. Nope. We're not trying to do anything illegal. And it's it are different rules than what the legal dispensaries, the lottery winners mm -hmm. would say, yeah. let's say, yeah. um, the ones that are in the, the cities and towns that are the legal ones that are run by Yes, they're personally run, but they're sort of run by the government yeah. as well, Health Canada, that yeah. kind of thing. You do things differently, but I think you go over and above those other ones, if I'm going to be honest with you. What I see you do here is different than there. Totally. And it is definitely more client-based, mm -hmm. more professional-based, and more caring, more heart. That's Yeah, that's been our goal. Um, we, we want to exceed what the rest of Canada does. Yeah. Um, and even when we're looking at, so we've got, we've uh, with some other groups uh, here in, in Alderville, the Mississaugas of Bryce Lake Cannabis Association. So um, that's uh, the dispensary owners out here, as well as growers um, and members of the community are involved in this to help shape how this will be regulated. We're working with the band council to come up with laws for this community to establish those those standards for the industry. So that if somebody wants to open a dispensary, they have to meet a certain level of care. They have to they have to adhere to you know age requirements and, and packaging requirements and all the things that the rest of Canada does too. Um, so we're making sure that's that's a fact here as well. We're also working with Indigenous communities across Canada to come up with uh, a similar regulatory framework um, that's beyond just this community. And the idea is there are a lot of really good growers and, and product producers on Indigenous territory and simply cannot afford the money involved with getting a full Health Canada licensed producer right. uh, uh, designation. 
So we want to be able to create, uh, we're working on something called Red Feather Certification. And this is a way to certify and regulate Indigenous products so that they meet the standards of Canada without uh, so many of the security requirements and things that cost a lot of money that are a barrier to getting in. And eventually, uh, Rob's had meetings even with Bill Blair, um, talking about what we're doing versus what Canada's wow. doing. And trying to come up with, eventually, the long-term goal uh, is that Indigenous producers will be able to sell their products on the open Canadian market wow. and vice versa. Wow. Yeah. That's pioneering the way. We're hoping, That's, yeah. That is leading the way for doing it in a different, and I'll say it, better way than I think that the right. Health Canada is doing it. We because so they're <laughs> well, and because you have nothing really to oppose, like, but everybody is opposing. Oh, we don't like what Health Canada is doing. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this way. Nobody's saying that about what you guys are doing. No, I mean, that's what we're trying to do: is set an example. Yeah. So that hopefully, eventually, maybe Health Canada will look at like how we're doing maybe. it and see that this is just as safe. Um, it's just as good, just yeah. as high quality. It's a different way of doing it. Right. Without you know? that red tape and the excessive amount of money that you have to pay for all of this Absolutely. to have tested in the regulations met by Health Canada, all of your products are tested yeah. here, yep. aren't they? Yeah. 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 We test all our products. So you know, you know the CBD content, you know the THC content. We run it through a talk screener to make sure there's no pesticides or anything like that in there. Um, we've got a microbial lab. So we inspect it just as well uh, and make sure that we are giving good, clean, healthy products. Um, we've, no, I don't want to knock anybody, but I've, I've personally purchased some cannabis from some uh, outside retailers sure. and brought it into test and I found mold on it. Interesting. Um, you know, and I, I'm not saying, you know, that happens. It's an organic plant. Sure it, it does. Happen. Yeah. Um, but I like to think that our quality control uh, is maybe a little bit better than that. Excellent. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, you're expanding. Let's talk about that a bit. Where Where are you going with that? So, yeah, um, you know, we, we, we thought we had a pretty big space here until we got running for a while and yeah. now it gets very crowded. Um, and some of the other ones across the street, the Healing House, they're great people. We help train them and get them wonderful. set up. They've just done a big expansion. So now it's our turn. It's time. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be building um, 50 by 70 feet out one side. The dispensary will move there. So it's going to be completely revamped. Very nice inside. We're working with, with some uh, architects right now just to get it the right warm look and feel that we that we want. Um, so we'll have a much bigger display space for the dispensary itself. Uh, out the other side of the building will be uh, a garden center. So we'll have your soils, uh, clones, seeds, Wonderful. all the things you need if you want to grow your own. So we encourage that too. I yeah. mean, it's a plant. Go home, grow it, um, be there hands-on with it, and you can grow your own medicine. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, you certainly can. And so, and you have um, your seeds bank. That's we do, yeah. So that'll be part of that. Your clones and your seed, ba seed bank and everything. All so. integrated. So we want, you know, from, from seed all the way to, to end product, uh, all the way through. We're also going to be building a cafe. Um, Non-infused, but we'll have a coffee shop there. You can get a sure. lunch and a snack and that. Um, we'll have a, we have a mini library inside there. We're going to have a little bit bigger one. So people can come in and, and read about cannabis and, and learn about it. We're also going to have a bit of a, a yoga studio to do some events and things. We're, yeah. we're looking at it holistically, too. So Wonderful. we want people to be able to um, learn different practices, learn things about nutrition, about fitness, and all of those things that help make you healthier. Cannabis is just a part of that, yeah. and it's not even a necessary part, you know? Yeah. yeah, wonderful. That's great. Uh, I just want to chat with you, Brent, sure. like personally. Okay. What made you get into cannabis? Yeah. What's your story? So I, um, I, how did I begin this? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was originally, I, I went back to school uh, to Trent University to study cognitive neuroscience. And the plan there was to pursue a PhD. Uh, I wanted to study language and memory. Um, I'm very interested in the brain. Um, so I actually got accepted to UBC for that. Uh, and I turned that down after speaking with a bunch of professors who love their jobs, but they said, you don't have any say in where you work. Mm -hmm. um, the jobs are few and far between. I had people like uh, two couple, a couple, um, they were both profs. Uh, they graduated from UC 
San Francisco at the same time. And she got a job in Wisconsin and he got a job at Trent University. Oh. And they're just trying to make their lives work oh, and neither dear. of them wants to be where they are. Yeah. And I thought, I want a little more control of my, I, I'm fascinated by that stuff. So I changed direction and I, I was going to go to physiotherapy. Um, and I was actually on a waiting list to get into Queen's University for physio when this idea came about. So I started with Rob here. And in August of 2017, after we'd opened, I got accepted there oh. and I had a, a gut check moment. Like, hold on, do I go get my master's in physiotherapy and try to help people in two years? Or do I just keep doing what I'm doing? Um, I talked to my parents and they were actually fully on board with, with sticking with this. Wow. Um, and that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. You'd, wow. <laughs> I rolled the dice a bit and so far so good. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. But okay. But still, you're still able to help people. Yeah. You're still able to, uh, maybe learn more about how cannabis has the effect on oh, the brain. The, the and... science end of it is, is fascinating to me. I love going to our lab. Uh, we have, uh, like, uh, an HPLC, so high performance liquid chromatography. And a gas chromatography with a flame ionization detector. So this is how we look at the cannabinoid profile yep. of the plant, the terpene profile, um, and and learning all these different constituents within the cannabis plant, which is an incredibly complex plant sure. from a from a, a molecular perspective. All these things interact in different ways to produce different effects. Yep. We talk about an indica making a like more sedative and relaxed, and a sativa being more more uplifting. There's really nothing behind that other than the ratios of the cannabinoids and the terpenes within it. Right. So if you Regardless of what genetics is in the plant, if it's producing those different terpenes, you're going to have an indica effect in a sativa or vice versa. So starting to look at those profiles and the effects they produce and looking at different cannabinoids. So everybody knows THC and CBD these days, but then there's like CBG and THCV, Delta-8 THC. So Delta-9 is the most common one when you smoke something. That's what gets you high. Delta-8 has its own properties. Um, So looking at these things as well to hopefully be able to offer really tailored plant-based solutions or, or uh, treatments for, for different ailments. You must love this because you have a, you come from a science background. Mm-hmm. So the science of the plant is what you're loving totally the most. Totally fascinating, yeah. How yeah, wonderful yeah. for that. Um, your favorite way to consume? Well, I surprisingly <laughs> give more at work. I consume very little. Okay. Uh, a gram of cannabis lasts me about a month. Um, uh, I inhale it for the most part. Yeah. I find edibles. I understand the appeal to edibles. I've had a few times where I maybe... I like sweets and treats, yep. and sometimes I ate a little too much of the brownie, and it was a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> so I stay away from that a little bit. That. Okay, yep. but I don't mind. You know, after after you know hanging out for a day, I might go home and, and smoke a little bit and just watch a movie, play a video game. Uh, one of my friends has grown some of his own. He grow uh, grew a CBD strain. Um, yeah, so it's 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 really nice. There's there's like maybe one and a half percent THC and about nine percent CBD, I and I find it super relaxing. But Me I'm too. still like I'm not. I don't feel high. I just feel nice. Yep. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. That's as well. my preference yeah, too. Yeah, Isn't that I cool? Like it, yeah. 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 Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I find those high CBD strains are. You're taking part of it. You're being part of it, and you're um, consuming cannabis where other people are smoking high THC. Yeah. But you still got your wits about you exactly, a little bit. Yeah. I know. Because I find too. it. You know, if I'm if I'm in a group of people, especially socially, if I smoke like uh, a potent uh, THC strain. All of a sudden, I don't participate in the conversation anymore. I <laughs> You're just not going of, up and doing karaoke. Not at all, no. No, I think to myself, should I have said something there? Maybe it's too late. What should I have said? And then it's like, I know, oh, I, I know. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then there's other people that are like, where's my shatterizer? Oh, yeah. The highest THC is possible. Yeah, right? and it blows me away to have, uh, like, I have lots of friends that, you know, even a talk like this, they would have for sure had, like, done a dab before they did it. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do that. And if I did a dab, it would be a very 
quiet <laughs> podcast. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But like you were saying, it's um, the terpene profile and the cannabinoids and mm. everything. And it reacts in our systems differently yeah. than it reacts in other people. Exactly. So it's you just have all different, uh, what fits. Yeah, exactly. And that's the science that you must love about it. Exactly. It's, it, is, it is exactly that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unique to each person. Yep. Uh, you, each, you have your own uh, preferences yep. um, as well as the way it's going to interact with your endocannabinoid system to... Uh, maybe certain effects will be amplified in different people. So it's 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 pretty cool. And it's pretty right. cool that like this one type of plant can have such a wide range of, of, of benefits and effects. It's I know. Amazing. I just got shivers thinking yeah. about it because that's what we, we speak about. It it literally is a magic plant. Totally. It literally is. The fact that we we up until recently would lock people in cages for possessing oh, it is, is mind-blowing. I know. It's, that, it's so medieval. I know. Yeah. Really. Well, imagine what's going to be 100 years from now. Yeah, it we'll look back at, the, at that time as just like what I we're know. doing. And when you think of the benefits of, of hemp, for hemp, create hemp plastics, biodegradable yeah. plastics as a fuel, yeah. uh, as a nutrition source, like tremendous opportunity there that was kind of quashed when, when cannabis became right. uh, illegal. And, and the hemp industry was massive. Yep. Um, the, the Declaration of Independence of the United States is written on hemp paper. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're one George of George Washington grew it. Yeah, yeah. And he recommended the, the quote that we put at the front of the Smoke Signal Seed Bank catalog uh, was, sow the Indian hemp seed everywhere. And that was George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. He told everybody, this is the thing you got to get out yeah. in the world. And now Should've we're listened. finally, now we're coming back to it. And yeah. I hope this is a, an awakening moment um, as we're looking at, you know, multiple environmental challenges that we're facing um cannabis grows very quick it, it pulls a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere um it's more effective than trees as a, as a carbon trap because it grows much more quickly um so you know planting massive hemp fields and then using that material instead of high carbon industries like concrete you can make hempcrete and and we really we can help our environment this way Absolutely. and then you also have all the medicinal benefits and things of it too. right so it's a fantastic it plant. is a magic plant, it really is it? a magic plant yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's been so lovely chatting with you Great today you brent too, yeah. thank you so much yeah. The only purpose of this podcast is to entertain, educate, and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, we encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specializes in medical cannabis or with a cannabis lawyer. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, and Kelly's Green Lounge has not and cannot be held responsible for guests' views. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only, advertising which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted towards the content of this podcast is forbidden. You may not edit modify, or redistribute this podcast in any way. Here's one of those really cool, don't judge a book by its cover kind of stories. To look at Brent Morrison, you do not expect him to speak or say the things that he says. Not that he looks like a freak or anything like that. He just looks like, just a little bit like maybe like a rough guy. Maybe like somebody that wouldn't have the vocabulary and the education and the background that he does. He 
absolutely blew me away. He used words in this interview that I've never even heard before. And he made sense of cannabis. He made sense of what he is doing at his establishment, his work with the medicine wheel. He's got an incredible background. He comes from a science background and a medicine background. And what he's doing is he's working in the cannabis industry because he knows that cannabis heals. It's an incredible story. It was such an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to Brent. And this is our interview.